As we begin this lesson, first of all, I would like to say that this is a re-recording of the original lesson that was done live in our classroom. Uh, we had a technical difficulty, and so that has necessitated that I re-record this. Lord willing, the impact will be just as great as it was when the live session was done. So, if you'll open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin there, and we're going to continue our series entitled, The Battle for Our Emotions. Today, the title of the lesson is, Protect Yourself. Last week, we talked about the war within us, and we once again looked at the fact that as believers, we have a war that goes on within our lives every day. It's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And this battle takes place in each of our lives several times every day as we struggle with our sin nature to obey the, the, the Spirit of God and do what He wants us to do. In order for us to be able to have victory over our emotions, we have got to first of all lay some foundations. There are some basic principles that have to be true about our life. And, and like last week, we first of all have to understand that there is a battle going on. We can't ignore that. We have to acknowledge that. But second of all, there is some clothing, spiritually speaking, that we have to have on. We've got to be dressed and prepared for this battle. And so today, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and a very familiar passage of Scripture that deals with the Christian's armor. And we're actually calling this lesson, Protect Yourself. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. The Bible says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's have prayer together. Father, I pray that as we look at this very important passage of Scripture, that you will use your word to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will give everyone under the sound of my voice spiritual understanding. Help us not only to understand what the Scripture is teaching, but how to apply it individually to each one of our lives. Father, I pray that you will help give us victory in this battle that goes on every day in our life, especially in the area of our emotions. Father, thank you for your word. Please use it now in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're talking about protecting ourselves. If we're going into battle for our emotions, and this is a spiritual battle that we are 
participating in, we, we have to do some certain things to protect ourselves. So we're going to look at four things today that help us understand how to protect ourselves when we go into this battle. First of all, number one, we have to realize that our protection comes from God. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Verse number 10. Finally, be strong, where? In the Lord and in his mighty power. The first thing we've got to understand is God's got to be involved in this battle. Our protection comes from God. We are not strong enough ourselves to win this battle. Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and let me share with you a story in the life of Christ that I think illustrates for us this fact or this idea that you and I are not strong enough to win this battle ourselves. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse number 31, the Bible says this, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. By the way, Jesus had gone into the synagogue. This was the church of their day. And I want you to notice something. This church had a man in it that was possessed of a devil. You know, I hear a lot of people that will complain about going to church and say, well, I'm not going to church because it's full of the hypocrites. Well, let me tell you, there's no such thing as a perfect church. As a matter of fact, if we ever find a perfect church, we need to make sure we don't join it because we'll mess it up. The truth is we're human. We're going to sin. We battle with sin every day. That's why we need the fellowship of a group of believers known as a church. But I want you to notice, this synagogue didn't just have hypocrites. It had a demon-possessed man in it. And the Bible says in the latter part of verse 33, he, that's the demon that was inside this man, he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, notice something interesting here. This is a demon from hell. And this demon from hell acknowledges that Jesus of Nazareth is the Holy One of God. That he is God. You know, we have human beings that won't even acknowledge that. But even the demons of hell believe and know that Jesus is God. Now I want you to notice what happens here. In verse 35, Jesus says, be quiet. Uh, the Bible says, be quiet, Jesus said sternly. So evidently, this demon began to speak out of this man and begin to say, I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth, which identifies him as the one who was born of Mary, Jesus of Nazareth, and I know, have you come to destroy us? Well, of course he had, and the demon knew that. The Bible tells us that Jesus, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So he's come to destroy what they're trying to do, and then the demon says, I know who you are. You are God. The Holy One come from God. Jesus said, be quiet, come out of him. Now listen to this. The Bible says, then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Isn't this interesting? The Bible says, just like a kid throwing a fit, the demon, first of all, never argued with Jesus. Jesus said, come out. He never said another word. He threw the man down and came out of him. But also notice this. 
Jesus did not allow the demon to hurt the man. Now, here's my point. Here's a man who is possessed of a devil, and, he, and, and obviously the demon is hurting him. And Jesus came along and cast the devil out and, and protected the man from injury, and the man became whole again. Now, here's my question. Is our battle against flesh and blood, or is it against, according to Ephesians 6.12, it is, is it against spiritual wickedness, spiritual evil forces in heavenly places? It's not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual wickedness, just like this demon. And if that's where our battle is, here's my question. Was this man, if he was strong enough to win this battle on his own, then why didn't he tell the demon to leave and, and get out of him? Because he was not strong enough. The truth is, only God, and in this instance, through the person of Jesus Christ, only God is powerful enough to help us win this spiritual battle. So back to Ephesians chapter 6. First of all, we've got to understand we are not strong enough to win this battle on our own. But second of all, only God provides for us everything we need to win this battle. We don't have in ourselves the tools needed to win this battle. This armor that we're going to talk about in a minute comes from God. It doesn't come from us. So first of all, our protection comes from God. We're talking about protecting ourselves as we go into battle for our emotions. That protection comes from God. Number two, what is our responsibility? Well, our responsibility is simple. Wear the armor. I mean, it's not rocket science. God provides for us everything we need to be prepared to fight this spiritual battle. All we've got to do is put the armor on. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, the Bible says, Put on the full armor of God. Notice, the armor comes from God. It's not ours. But what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to put it on. As a matter of fact, the phrase here in the Greek language literally means to get dressed. Now let me ask you something. How many of us, let me ask you this, how many of you have ever had a dream that you were standing in a public place or speaking in a public forum and you didn't have any clothes on? You ever had that nightmare? I mean, you, maybe you were nervous or whatever and, and you were concerned and so you... You, uh, in your sleep at night, subconsciously are thinking about this, and, and you had this dream like you walked out of the house and forgot to put your clothes on. You're just underwear. Well, do you know, as funny as that seems, and as crazy as it seems, the truth is none of us would get up today and come, and come to this place or go to work without putting our clothes on. That's ridiculous. But you know the truth is? There are Christians every single day of their life that get up and go out into their daily life naked spiritually. They do not put on the clothing that God says he's prepared for us in order for us to face and win the battles that we face in life. So what is our responsibility? Simply to put the armor on. Notice the second thing, though. We've got to put... All the armor on. The Bible says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God. The truth is, there are three different categories of 
armor that we put on. Number one, there is the basic armor. Now, that includes the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes. Then there are the defensive pieces of the armor, the shield and the helmet. Then there is the offensive pieces of the armor, the Bible, the sword, the word of God, and what we're going to call the spear or our prayer. So you've got three separate parts of the armor, but all seven of these pieces are vitally important. And the truth is, when the Roman soldier dressed to go into battle, the enemy would aim, when they aimed their arrows at the body, or their spear, or in a sword fight their sword, they would aim for the part of the body where the armor either was not present, where the armor had been weakened, or where the armor had been removed. Because that's where we're most vulnerable. Now, what do you think our enemy, Satan, what do you think the enemy is going to do when we go into battle? He's going to aim for that area of our life where we are void of the armor. And in just a minute, we're going to look at these seven pieces of armor. We're going to talk about what they mean and how they're supposed to look in our own lives. And you're going to see we've got to have all seven pieces. So, number one, how do we protect ourselves? How do we prepare to fight this battle for our emotions? Number one, we've got to realize our protection comes from God. God's got to be involved. We're, we can't leave God out. We can't show up on Sunday morning, say hi to God, and then leave and, and ignore God the rest of the week until we get back next Sunday morning. God has to be involved in this battle. Number two, our responsibility is to simply wear the armor. Just put it on and do what God says. Then number three, we've got to realize our battle is against evil. It is not against flesh and blood. Look at chapter six, verse number twelve or verse number eleven. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Satan has a plan of attack for each of our lives. Now, he personally can't attack our lives. However, he does have a myriad, thousands of demons that actually are at his bidding, and they do whatever he tells them to do. They can be all over the place. Satan is not omnipresent. Only God is. Satan cannot be everywhere at the same time like God can. But he can send his henchmen. His demons to come after us. So we've got to understand, our battle, according to this, is against Satan's plan of attack in order to destroy our life. And we've got to understand that. But the second thing is, the Bible says in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, and it's against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Let's put it like this. What if worry came to us in the form of a black widow spider? And in order to destroy worry and keep it out of my life, all I had to do was stomp on it and smash it just like I would a black widow spider. Man, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Smash the spider, all of a sudden worry is completely removed from my life, and I never have to worry about it again. Or how about this? What if low self-esteem was nothing more 
than a snake laying across the driveway of my home. And all I had to do to get rid of low self-esteem was drive my car over that snake or take a shovel and chop its head off. And as soon as I did, low self-esteem was completely removed from my life. What if anger was like a mosquito that landed on my arm and all I had to do was smash it? And the moment I smashed that mosquito, anger was completely removed forever from my life. Man, that'd be great, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be great if it was that easy to get rid of these problems we battle spiritually? But the truth is, it's not that easy. Because all of those things are flesh and blood that we can physically do something about. That's not what this battle is about. Our battle is a spiritual battle. So we can't fight it with physical means. Let me just review real quick four things about this battle that takes place on the inside of us. And we talked about these last week. First of all, it's an inner battle. So it's, it's a battle on the inside of us. It's not an outward physical battle like smashing a spider. Number two, it's a spiritual battle. That means God's got to be involved. Number three, it's a mental battle. The greatest portion of this battle takes place on the battlefield of our mind. And we, we've talked a little bit about that. We'll talk more about that as we go along. And number four, it's an ethical battle. It is a battle over right and wrong. It is a battle that if the battle is won, then I do what is right in my life. If the battle is lost, then I do what is wrong in my life. If I do what is right, there is blessing and God gets glory. If I do what is wrong, then I end up exactly the way Satan wanted me to end up. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is exactly what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to destroy my life. Jesus told Peter, Simon, Satan wants to have you so he can sift you like wheat. He literally wants to rip your life apart. And if we lose this battle, that's exactly what's going to happen. So the battle is inner, spiritual, mental, and ethical. The key to the battle is our mind. Take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and let me illustrate this for you by something that Peter told the people he was writing to. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, Peter writes this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. You know, here's, here's the battle in a nutshell. Peter, first of all, says in verse 13, how do I prepare for the battle? I have to prepare my mind. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, Peter said. So this battle takes place in the mind. Second of all, in verses 14 and 15, he describes the two sides of the battle. In verse 14, he says, As obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires that you once had when you lived in ignorance. What is he talking about? He said, don't mold your life based upon the sinful desires of your flesh. Because that's how you used to live 
when you were unaware of salvation and what God wanted to do for you. You were in ignorance. You didn't know about salvation. Now that you know, verse 15, but just as he who called you is holy, so be ye holy in all that you do. Now that you've learned what Jesus has done for you, you've learned who he is, you've learned what he wants to do in and through your life, now be holy like he is. For it's written, be holy, for I am holy. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be holy? What does that mean? Well, it's really simple. First of all, being holy does not mean to be perfect. Because if it meant to be perfect, then none of us will ever be that way. Second of all, God here is giving us wisdom and direction based upon what our desire ought to be. You and I will never reach complete holiness this side of heaven. Only when we get to heaven and have the sin nature removed will we have that complete sanctification or holiness. So what does it mean to be holy? Well, notice he tells us here. Just as he who called you is holy, so be ye holy in all that you do. Be holy in all you do, just like the one who called you. Well, who called us? God. So be holy like I am holy. God just wants us to be like him. Well, what did he do for us to help us understand as humans how we ought to live? He gave us Jesus. In John 1, 1, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. In John 1, 14, the Bible says that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Peter tells us that we are to follow his example. Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years. It is recorded in the scripture how he lived so that you and I know how we ought to live. You know what it means to be holy? It just means to be Christ-like. It just means to do everything within my power and God's help to live my life the way Jesus did. Facing temptation the way Jesus did. Treating people the way that Jesus did. Living my life as far as my goals and my desires the same that Jesus had. That's all it means. So holiness and being holy in all that I do just simply means that in everything I do, I want to be like Jesus. So our battle is against evil. It's an inner spiritual, mental, and ethical battle. The key to the battle is our mind. Now go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Let me show you something here that's very interesting. In Ephesians 6 and verse 13, the Bible says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. What is the day of evil? The day of evil is literally, like Paul said in Romans 7, it's when I want to do good, evil is present with me. It's any time that we are challenged to do either good or wrong, to either do right or wrong, good or bad, evil or godliness, it's any time that challenge comes. It can come from outward influences. It can come from our flesh. It can come from the temptation of the devil. But the day of evil that's being referred to here is that moment in my life when I have to make a choice, right or wrong. And that's what he says. Put on the armor of God so that when that day comes, when that moment comes, when I have to choose right or wrong... Evil is battling me that I will be protected and prepared to win that battle. Now notice something else about verse 13 that I thought was very interesting. 
He says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. What does that mean? After you've done everything, to stand. I I thought I, I took my stand. Literally what he's talking about is, every time I take my stand, I get better at it next time. I become stronger. Every time you and I fight one of these battles in our life and we win, we get stronger and stronger and better and better at it. I've given you an example in the study sheet, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 33 through 40. This is a very familiar story. This is the story of David and Goliath. Now, most of you will remember that when David told Saul he was going to fight Goliath, what did Saul say? You can't fight that giant. You're just a boy. How are you ever going to do this? David proceeded to tell him about killing a lion and killing a bear, and he reminded Saul that it was God who killed the lion and the bear through him. And he said, and that our same God, the one that helped me kill the lion and the bear, will also help me kill this giant. Saul said, that's great, but at least take my armor and sword and use them. So David, out of respect, put Saul's armor and his sword on. When he put them on, he started walking around, and then he took them off and he gave them back. You know what he said? He said, King, all due respect, I can't use this. And then you know what he did? He told King Saul why. King, you know why I can't use this? I have not proved them. I've never used them before. I don't know if they will work for me. He said, I've got to use what I've used before. I've got to use what I know works. So what did he do? He picked up a sling, five smooth stones, and he went out to meet the giant. Why did he use a sling and the stones? Because he had used them before. He had fought this battle before against other enemies, and he won. He knows this works. And you know what? Every time you and I fight this battle and we win, using the armor that God has given us, we become more confident in the armor and we get better at winning the battles. So, how do we protect ourselves? First of all, we got to understand our protection comes from God. Number two, our responsibility, just wear the armor. Number three, we've got to remember our battle is against evil. It's not against flesh and blood. Now, number four, as we finish... Let's go through each piece of the armor quickly, and, and let's talk about what, these, what they mean and what it looks like in our life. Now, as we do this, and we've only got a few minutes left, but as we do this, I want you to understand, number one, this is not meant to be an exhaustive study of each piece of the armor. We literally could do a whole lesson on each piece of this armor. This is meant to help us to just understand what it is, and how it ought to look in our life. If I've got this piece of armor on in my life, so to speak, if I have gotten dressed and put this piece of armor in my life, what does it look like and how does it help me? So that's what we're going to do. So let's look at Ephesians 6, verse number 14, real quick, and let's go through these pieces. Number one, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. First of all, there is the belt of truth. What is this? This is the foundation to everything that we do in our life. There has to be a standard of truth. By the way, the belt 
is what held the breastplate in place. If there was a sheath for the sword, that's where it was, on the belt. So the belt is the key to everything. Truth is the key to everything. In John 17 and verse 17, Jesus in his high priestly prayer prayed to his Father and he said this, Father, sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. We have got to be armed every day with the belief that the Bible is true, that we understand it, we believe it, not just say we believe it, but we truly believe this is our standard of life. This is what we look at. And anything else that contradicts this book is wrong. We believe the Bible. That's where we start. So first of all, when I go into battle against these emotions in my mind, I've got to understand the first place I'm going to go to find out how to deal with these emotions is in the Bible because that is my belt of truth. Number two, the Bible says, after you put on the belt of truth, then um, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So second of all, there's this breastplate of righteousness. It has to be in place. The breastplate had two pieces. One piece covered the front, one piece covered the back. It covered the shoulder of the, the soldier from the shoulders to the mid-side. It literally protected every major organ of the body. Now it's called the breastplate of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Who is he? That's God. What did he do? He made Jesus to be sin for us. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin for us. So we could be made righteous in God's eyes. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowledge, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now look what Paul says in verse 9. And being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. My friend, here's the deal. The deal is you and I are righteous and have a right relationship with God simply because of Jesus Christ. Now you might say, how is this going to help me fight the battle of my emotions? Well, let me give you some examples. Low self-esteem. Well, God won't love me. God can't love me. You just don't know what I've done. God can't save me. God would never want to help me because I'm a terrible, terrible person. All of these emotional wrongs can be corrected if you understand that God loves you no matter what. Your righteousness, everything good about you, is because of Jesus who lives in you. It's not because of me. God doesn't love me because I'm good. God loves me because I have Jesus. So as long as I have Jesus, God loves me. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 8, the Bible actually describes the breastplate. And it gives us the name for these two parts of the breastplate. Let me read this to you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 
in verse number 8. The Bible says, but since we belong, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Faith and love. Do you know what this righteousness is? This breastplate of righteousness that we have, we are righteous because of two things. Number one, because God loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because he loved us. That's how he showed his love for us. The Bible says in 1 John we love him because he first loved us. My friend, love is why we have this righteousness. And second of all, faith. For by grace through faith are you saved. We are saved and we have the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. So my friend, listen to me. Whenever you are, are, are bombarded with the emotional battles of guilt and low self-esteem, and worry, thinking that God can't and won't help you because you're not good enough. This is the piece of armor that helps us overcome that. God loves us no matter what. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So first of all, there's the belt of truth. Then there's the breastplate of righteousness. Then number three, the Bible says that our feet are to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, these are the shoes we wear. Now, these shoes have, in, in uh, relation to them, two things that help us. Number one, readiness. We are to be prepared to go and do whatever it is God wants us to do. This has the idea that we're not living our life for ourselves. We're living our life to accomplish the purpose and plan that God has for us. So how do I win this battle for my emotions? Well, first of all, I've got to realize that God has a plan for my life. And everything that happens is helping me to fulfill that plan. So I've got to have all the armor that says, in my heart, I am ready to do whatever it is God wants me to do. Second of all, we have readiness that is prepared from the gospel of peace. Now, the gospel, literally the good news about Jesus Christ, this is where this readiness comes from. But I want you to notice something. It's a gospel of peace. That's why anger and bitterness and malice and jealousy, all of these things, they don't create peace. They create war and unrest. That's why if I'm going to win the battle for my emotions, I've got to learn to do what God wants me to do and make that a priority and to seek peace, just like Jesus did. So there's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes that say I'm ready and I'm carrying with me the gospel of peace. Now, the next two pieces are the defensive pieces. I want you to notice what they are. He says in verse 16, in addition to all this, in addition to these three pieces, I want you to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the shield of faith. What does that mean? Here's the simplest way for me to describe the shield of faith. It's when I simply say, I believe God, I don't believe Satan. That's the bottom line. Faith says, I believe what God says, I don't believe what the devil says. Now, the devil has a lot of ways of telling us what he thinks. 
He uses the media. He uses the world's philosophy. He uses ideas from uh, people that don't know the Lord. And, and they're all propagating these things. When God says, give and it shall be given to you, and Satan says, no, you don't give anything. You keep everything for yourself. Faith says, I believe what God says. I don't believe what the devil says. And by the way, is this not the strategy that Satan has used ever since the garden? When he went to Adam and Eve, and he approached Eve, and he said, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He literally began by getting Eve to doubt what God said and to believe what he was saying. So the shield of faith says, I believe God. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible teaches us that the just live by faith. In Hebrews 11 and verse 1, the Bible tells us what faith is. Faith is literally the substance, the evidence, the reality of something I cannot see. I believe it's true, and I believe it's real because God said it. My faith, by the way, always has an object. That object is the Scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Stand firm in your faith. Do not give in. So, what is the shield of faith? It says, I believe God, I don't believe the devil. Then next, there is the helmet of salvation, verse 17, Ephesians 6. Take the helmet of salvation. What is this? In 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, John said, one of the reasons I wrote the book of 1 John was so that those of you that believe in the name of the Son of God would know that you have eternal life. Do you know one of the greatest tools of the devil to cause Christians to become ineffective is to get them to doubt their salvation. These are the people that have been saved 14 different times. Every time somebody comes along and preaches about hell, they start worrying about whether or not they're saved, and they get saved all over again. And, and, and my friend, let me tell you, in Romans 10, 13, the Bible says that whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've done that, as I did on September the 20th, 1975, if you've done that based upon the promise of God in repentance and faith, I asked him to come into my life and forgive me and be my Savior. And he said if I would do that, he would save me. And let me tell you this. If he couldn't do it the first time, he's not going to be able to do it the next 13 times either. We have got to settle this matter that we have truly repented of our sins. We've received Christ into our life. We know he's the Son of God. We believe that he came to this earth. He lived, he died, and he rose again. We believe he's alive in heaven. And having believed that, that's what I'm putting my faith in to get forgiveness of my sins and get me to heaven when I die. If you have trusted him and believed in him, then that is settled. But settle that in your heart. That's why the helmet is the one called salvation. Because it covers the mind and takes away the worry of that. Then next, the last two pieces of armor are the offensive pieces. He says in verse 17, latter part of the verse, he calls it the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Joshua chapter 1-8, the Bible says that this book of the law should not depart out of our mouth. We should meditate in it day and night so we can observe to do Everything that's written in, because then our way will become prosperous and successful. The Bible also teaches us 
that it is the word of God that helps us to keep stay from sin. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus was tempted by the devil? In verse 4, verse 7, and verse 10. How did Jesus answer Satan when he was tempted? He quoted scripture. All three times he responded to Satan by quoting the scripture. Let me give you an example of this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think about these things. Let me tell you what to do the next time you have an evil thought come into your mind. And by the way, how many of us actually battle with evil thoughts? All of us do. The next time that evil thought comes into your mind, memorize Philippians 4.8 and quote it in your mind. Continue quoting that verse in your mind until the evil thought leaves. And I will promise you, <coughs> if you will do that, once that evil thought is gone, God will give you such victory, in many cases you will not even be able to remember the evil thought you were having. Because that is the power of the Word of God. So I've got to be armed with the scripture. I've got to not only believe it, which is the belt of truth, but I've got to know how to use it as the sword of the spirit in my life. And then finally, as we close, the Bible says in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. The final piece of our armor is prayer. In Matthew 26, verses 36 through 45, right as Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, do you know what he did? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he got alone, and he prayed. That's how he prepared to meet the battle of the cross. And my friend, you and I have got to have a time where we get alone with God, get away from all the distractions, and have some time where we can just communicate with us and God. Pour out our heart and let God give us comfort and peace. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ. My friend, do you want to know one of the ways that we win the battle over worry? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We use the piece of armor called prayer. And then we add it to the rest. So my friend, if we're going to win the battle for our emotions and we're going to overcome these things in our life so we can be what God intended for us to be and know the joy that God wants us to have in life, we've got to protect ourselves. How do we do that? First of all, by realizing protection comes from God. By realizing our responsibility is to wear the armor. By understanding our battle is against evil that takes place on the inside of us and then knowing what all seven pieces of the armor are and what they're supposed to look like in our life. Now, beginning next week, we're going to begin to look at some actual emotions that we battle with. And the first one we're going to start with next week is anger. As a matter of fact, the title of the lesson is Sinless Anger. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, be angry and sin not. What does that mean? So we will take these pieces of our armor... 
And we will begin next week addressing different areas of emotional challenges in our life and learn how to get victory over them. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that it has to give us victory in our life so we can live the way that Jesus intended for us to live. Father, I ask you to give us a great week. Protect each of us. Give us victory in the battles we fight this week. In Jesus' name, amen.